At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, f***ing geek. A, a f***ing like geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. Welcome to the final episode of the 2021-2022 NBA season. Hardwood Handicappers. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, as you know. And that will do it, folks. 103-90. to The Golden State Warriors will win the NBA Finals, the fourth title in the Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson era. They win in six over my beloved Boston Celtics. Not beloved, but still a fantastic win and a just a dominant way to end the series against the Boston Celtics. After going down one nothing at home, the Warriors win four out of the next five. Crush Boston. I will say crush. Over the last, what, two and a half, three games to take this title. And being that this title has already been decided, we don't have to go over a lot of basketball stuff from this game overall. And some of this is more about narrative and looking forward to next season. But it's very much worth noting a couple of things that came from this game. First off, the 21 to nothing run that spanned from the end of the first quarter into the second quarter, which was, I was watching it and um, knew immediately that, oh yeah, this is going to be over tonight. And you never like to call, I, I, the guy and or gal who calls a game in the first quarter, especially a basketball game, they do kind of irritate me, uh, even if I don't have any stake in it. I'm just like, come on, man, like there's still plenty of game to be played. Don't be hyperbolic, don't fall for it. Um... Not the case here. You kind of saw the writing on the wall because it was all the same issues over and over and over again for the Celtics during that 21 nothing run for the Golden State Warriors. But a brilliant performance from Golden State in this series. Steph Curry, absolutely deserving of his first finals MVP. Didn't need it in terms of his legacy. Draymond Green responding after being benched by Steve Kerr in that fourth quarter back in Boston. 
with two games in which he was playing some of his best basketball, both offensively and defensively. Today, from the how about Draymond Green today? And I guess this is this is something when it comes to like heart of a champion type stuff, championship DNA that people keep bringing up when it comes to a team like the Golden State Warriors. Only 12 points for Draymond, but he's 5 of 10 from the floor. He hits two three-point shots. He hits a mid-range jumper from the elbow in this game. He's a plus-minus, a plus-16, the second-best plus-minus in this game behind Gary Payton II, who turned out to be just incredible and very key for the Golden State Warriors as this series went along. Um, Draymond was great. Draymond really turned things around after that fourth quarter where Steve Kerr opted to go for Draymond, or excuse me, Kevon Looney, as opposed to him in that game. But a really fantastic end to a series for the Golden State Warriors. And a dreadful end for the Boston Celtics. Oh, and my investment in them to win the NBA Finals. And to address that really quickly, too, because um, I did not hedge or anything like that. So the 66-1 to just goes up in flames, and I get to watch the Boston Celtics lose this series despite being up one nothing and again 2-1 through three games. I feel pretty, uh, I feel okay with my decision. You know, conviction in terms of my uh, my belief in the Boston Celtics to win this thing. There are different ways in which you handle hedging, and hedging is always a personal thing, and it wasn't going to be a life-changing amount of money, so wanted to get the most out of it, and it was a fun run. And if you've been following the NBA coverage uh, each of the last three seasons since we really started here at VSIN, two out of the last three years, we had Miami in the uh, finals against the Los Angeles Lakers at 81, the Celtics here at 66-1. to I think I've got a lot of confidence in terms of the handicapping ability to find some pretty good value shots, and Hopefully we'll be back here again, but no regrets. Regrets as the, uh, I don't know what movie that is, the kid tattooed on his chest. I've seen it. I just can't remember it. Family Vacation, uh, the remake. Uh, regardless, edging is always a personal thing. Decided not to do it. Hopefully if you followed along and had something really big on the Boston Celtics, you either cashed out if it was an Eastern Conference ticket or hedged off and got a little bit out of it. But no regrets in terms of the way handling it for Boston. So, again, I'm not going to really f- focus too much on this game last night. We, you know, There's a lot to go out if we want to. Uh, about it from a basketball standpoint, uh, the watching the finals last, or excuse me, the ceremony last night was uh, really good. When you talk about just the emotion that Steph Curry showed after getting the championship, crying on the floor, I like that kind of thing, right? I mean, and think about what this Golden State Warriors team has been through. Like that's the other thing. I know I've mentioned this a couple of times on this podcast, but when you think about Curry and the injury in which he only plays, I think it was five games that year, and they they miss out on the playoffs in the bubble, and then the next year they come back and they make it to the play-in only to lose to John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies because if you remember, Draymond Green had a push shot that didn't go down essentially at the buzzer. And Curry after that game, and this clip's being passed around on social media, Curry after that game saying, you know, use the summer, build on this, come back, they don't want to see us next year. And to not only make it back to the NBA Finals, but to win the NBA Finals after saying that after Klay Thompson and catastrophic injuries that some players don't even come back from if they suffer one of them, let alone two, and a torn ACL and a ruptured Achilles, and and Andrew Wiggins, and the fact that there were so many that wanted to sell on Wiggins. And, you know, we build up these players sometimes when they come into through the draft and being known as the second coming of LeBron James, you know, only to be kind of shunned by a lot of people thinking that he could never win. Uh, And this isn't a shot at just Nick Wright. It's just the most memorable clip. But media members like Nick Wright saying that the Warriors would never win a finals because they wouldn't sign Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Being passed around, um, I know it's Kendrick Perkins and I think it's Dominique Foxworth 
and, and Curry made reference to it in the post-game press conference yesterday too, uh, where they're holding up you know the zero like they're looking through a telescope when they're asked after Curry last year signs his four-year contract extension, how many finals, how many championships the Warriors would win over the next four years, and both Perkins and Foxworth saying zero, and Curry at the post-game press were holding up the zero just like they were. Uh, Clay Thompson talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. and the way that he tweeted after one of the regular season wins, strength in numbers, and Clay Thompson calling him a bum. Like they, they, this is a really good narrative. It's a good story that the Warriors are back here at the top. And I have to tell you, which ties into the rest of this podcast, uh, they are geared up and ready to go for next season. Warriors in some spots, and these, t- these odds have been up for a while, but uh, they are the favorite to win the NBA title at multiple shops, 6-1 to one at the Westgate, 6-1 to one at DraftKings. DraftKings has three teams listed as a favorite to win the NBA title next year. It'd be the Golden State Warriors, the Boston Celtics, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Don't worry, we'll get to the Boston Celtics, because even as somebody who had a ticket on them up to this point of the season, 6-1 uh, to one is very short for a team that I think does have some questions both not in their control and in their control. Uh, but I kind of wanted to look at this from the standpoint of both of these teams first in terms of paths back to the finals and then the bigger picture of the biggest challengers outside of these two teams. So let's start with the champions. That would be the Golden State Warriors. What is the path back to the NBA Finals? And I, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think the Warriors deserve to be at the very, very least. Again, we'll get to the challengers, but at the very least, the second best team in terms of probability of winning the Western Conference and the NBA Finals the only free agent of consequence for the Warriors this offseason is going to be Kevon Looney. He's likely not going to fetch a pretty massive price on the market. And the Warriors have been pretty clear that they're not afraid to spend. Uh, we, we all heard the comments from Brian uh, Windhorst after Game 5. And I would say, too, I think Windhorst's comments were taken a little out of context. I at least took them as he's showing or just commenting on the fact that the owners of the Warriors were not afraid to to keep investing in this team. A lot of people would have seen this championship core fall apart the way that it did. Draymond and the way that he had been playing in the two years before uh, this season. Uh, the fact that Curry had suffered a couple of injuries, that Clay Thompson had suffered catastrophic injuries, the fact that Kevin Durant had left. There are a lot of owners and front office execs who might have blown it up to a certain extent, had given up on a core, uh, but the Warriors did not. They kept spending money, they kept tinkering, they kept acquiring assets and trying to make this thing work. And that's why I took Windhorse comments. But regardless, it's also a front office that's not afraid to spend. So Looney, whatever the price is going to be, and he was making about seven this year, I'm pretty sure they're going to re-sign Kevon Looney, who was a really big part of this championship run and this finals win over the Boston Celtics. And this is the other part that's kind of scary about the, the Warriors is not only do you get to maintain this core, they're potentially going to be better and deeper next year. Jonathan Kaminga showed real, real promise in 70 games played throughout the regular season. Averaged 9.3 points, 3.3 rebounds. Explosive in terms of his athleticism. Fantastic off-ball option and like a four-slash-super-small five if they wanted to go in that direction. Um, He's shown the ability, obviously, to shoot. Not really consistently, at least in terms of like being a knockdown three-point shooter, but still the ability to stretch the floor and hit jump shots and three-point shots. I think on the season he ended up shooting about 33%, but it's there. Um, and just being, as I mentioned, this just switchable dynamic athlete who's really going to work out for them. I think you're really excited about the future of Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, who showed some real promise. Moody, of course, uh, the stats not as great as Jonathan Kaminga, but still four and a half points per game, one and a half rebounds per game in 52 games played. Um, again, showing a little bit of promise as a three and D type of player shot better from three, 36.4% in averaging those 4.4 points per game. And started 11 games for the Warriors, too, I might add. But these are both young players coming off of rookie seasons that showed real potential. And, again, 
much like this year because they're rookies, but this is a loaded championship team now that gets to bring them on even slower. And those minutes get to ratchet up as the regular season goes along. You have 82 games to develop them and get them ready to play key roles once you get to the postseason. So they're going to be deeper. They're going to be better. And then you get the looming specter, if you want to call it, of James Wiseman, who you know one would assume is going to come back next year and be the top pick that they expect him to be. And not to mention, by the way, the fact that Clay Thompson doesn't need to ramp up again Right, he's not coming back from injury. He's not working his way back from what was it over 500 days of being off because of injuries to his body. This is a guy who's going to be ready right from the beginning of the season. You would assume that Draymond Green would show a little bit of better health, who had to miss a good chunk of games and missed out on a Defensive Player of the Year award because of the injuries that he suffered. So you're talking about a Warriors team who has two young role players who are ready to go. A third overall pick. Was he third overall pick? I double check. Uh, James Wiseman. No, he's second, I believe. Uh, a second overall pick in James Wiseman, who is coming off of an injury, and it was a w- little weird how everything was handled in terms of uh, you know what happened, uh, how they handled his injury this year. Um, yeah, he was second overall. Excuse me on that. Um, but Wiseman, you would expect that's going to come back and be able to uh, be in part of a rotation with a Kavon Looney that's going to be able to come along slowly as well. This team has a really, really dynamic balance of veterans and young guys with real potential that not only are they going to be a championship contender, I mean, this is going to be a team that is going to, if they want and if they're healthy, going to have the ability to push for that 60-ish win top seed in the Western Conference yet again next year. This is going to be a really good team next year. That championship window is wide open, obviously. For the Golden State Warriors, and and this is the intriguing part about them too, is if you want to talk about their biggest challenges to a title, I mean, realistically, the only one that would be there, and at this point you would have to make them favorites over them, only because we haven't seen this version all put together yet, but it would be the Los Angeles Clippers, who are tied for uh, at 6-1 over at DraftKings and at 7-1 over at the Westgate Superbook to win an NBA title. I mean, that would probably be your biggest stumbling block. We don't know about the Phoenix Suns and the way that this team is built in terms of their offense and the way that they kind of went out against the Dallas Mavericks. What's going to happen with DeAndre Ayton, what that core looks like by the time we get to this coming regular season in October. So even then, the biggest challenge to a title for the Golden State Warriors is one team, and it's one team that, even as a Clippers fan, you got to say, is a relative unknown. We know how good Kawhi Leonard can be. We know how good Paul George can be. But one of these teams is a freaking title contender, or he's a champion. The other is a potential title contender we haven't seen put together fully yet. So uh, the the path is very clearly there for the Golden State Warriors. And then you go beyond that, you know, fully healthy versions of Milwaukee or Brooklyn, like those types of things uh, once you get to the NBA Finals. But the path is extremely, extremely clear for the Golden State Warriors to make it right back here again in a calendar year. And you got to be, if you're a Warriors fan, obviously, you got to be excited. But, I mean, this is... We're entering now into a year where this next regular season is going to be, barring anything catastrophic with health, we're going to have some really, really powerful teams duking it out for an NBA title, and the Warriors are going to be one of them. And I can, uh, so I'm, I, I tire of the grind of an NBA season, right? Uh, but also, part of me, as I'm talking about this on this podcast, is very, very excited um, to see what these teams are going to look like when we get to the regular season and they start duking it out with one another, like the Clippers and the Warriors, uh, the Nets and the Bucks, or the Nets and the 76ers, or even the Boston Celtics, which gives, um, which leads us to the loser of the NBA Finals, the runner-up of this NBA season. 
And at Westgate, they're 8-1. to one. They'd be the third choice on the board. At DraftKings, they are 6-1. to one. And I have to say that I do not think that the Celtics should be considered a title favorite. They should not be up there with the Warriors, uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers. They should be up there, but I don't think they should be the favorite, like at 6-1. to one. I, I think Westgate's got it right, putting them in the range of about 8-1 to one to win this title. Top three team, top four team in the NBA. And I think when you talk about the path back to the NBA Finals for the Boston Celtics, it is not as clear for the, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, first off, I think you ask yourself, right, the questions at point guard and the questions that you need to answer at that position. Is Marcus Smart really their point guard going forward? We saw in this NBA Finals uh, that their offense gets very stagnant. I don't think that, like, that's, not, uh, that's not really a question, right? You, they were searching, searching for offense to run in these last three games of this series. Had no idea what to do in fourth quarters when these games got really tight. It's why, again, you, you just keep saying it, how poor they were in clutch situations in the regular season, in the postseason. You need a, to use the cliched term, for general, or just a real point guard that's going to make things work for them. And, and this is no, it's no knock on, on Marcus Smart. With him at point guard in the regular season, the Celtics were plus 13.7 per 100 possessions, averaged 119 points per 100 possessions, uh, only gave up 105.2 per 100 possessions. Like these were really good numbers. But again, when you're talking about clutch time, when you're talking about the way this offense would bog down, that's a sign of needing a true point guard to go forward. The problem is, and why this isn't as clear for them, is you can't really acquire one in the free agent market, and the point you're gonna have to acquire one via trade. I mean, this is the top seven; these are the top six options in the uh, free agent market, and th- this is if three of these guys uh, who have player options, and it's not gonna happen. But John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, Ricky Rubio, Delon Wright, Tyus Jones. Like, those are your top six point guard options on the market this coming free agent class. Potentially three of them, Walt, Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, all have player options, and more than likely, uh, all will opt into their options because they're going to make over $40 million a year being Wall and Westbrook and Kyrie Irving, of course, making, I think, about like 35, 36, whatever it's going to be. Um, but regardless, like, this is for and, – and, and it's it's a good question to have – for the Boston Celtics, should put it that way. Like they're not dead by any means. As I mentioned, they should be among like the top three, top four in terms of title contenders when it comes to odds. They bring the entire core back because it's still under contract. If you look at like none of the guys that are going to be potential free agents in this offseason for Boston make more than a million dollars a year. So they're going to be fine, and they are again going to bring back a core who finished the regular season 34 and 12 over the last 46 games and outscored opponents by 12.1 points per 100 possessions. That's a really good thing to have. I'm just talking about when you're splitting hairs among some of the best teams in the NBA, some of which will be healthier, some of which will be better by the time we get to next year, then you then you question about whether or not, you know, what the path is for the Celtics to get back to this point if everything's going to remain essentially the same, right? Eastern Conference rivals like Milwaukee and Brooklyn, Milwaukee being fully healthy and Brooklyn potentially, and actually, no, we'll say Brooklyn being fully healthy and seeing what this version of the Nets are going to be with Ben Simmons out there on the floor, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, right? That like, that is still a really good core to have if you're the Brooklyn Nets. So that version of that team being fully healthy, what does that look like? How good can they be? We don't really know that at that point. And we know how good the Milwaukee Bucks can be when they're fully healthy. And can I just say, and this is not to say they got lucky, no, they didn't get lucky, the Boston Celtics. Everybody deals with injury. They missed Robert Williams for the last four games 
of that yeah, that tie or excuse me, of that series against the Milwaukee Bucks. And if your rebuttal is that Robert Williams can't score forty points a game, Robert Williams is clearly the best defensive player on this team. Robert Williams is a dynamic playmaker in his own right at times. He's also good on the glass, and he is a linchpin for what they do on that end of the floor defensively. So to say he would have no impact, it just it's a dumb conversation. Let's just put it that way. It's a dumb conversation. Don't be hyperbolic. Don't get caught up in the moment. Stop. Okay. Even then, it's more of a challenge to get past Milwaukee. That's obvious. If Chris Middleton's healthy, so what that looks like if the Bucks are better? Excuse me. If the Bucks are fully healthy, the Nets are better, and there's the Philadelphia 76ers who have the potential to improve that roster, improve depth at center behind Joel Embiid, uh, go into the free agent market and grab a couple of guys to improve the other uh, the uh, other depth issues that they have along their bench to add a little bit more playmaking and creation uh, among their bench unit. That's going to be a question mark for the Boston Celtics. So the conference around them is going to come up to their level. The Miami Heat, they're going to be just a pain in the ass, essentially, because of how good they can be defensively. And if Kyle Lowry doesn't have to deal with what he did this entire season, I think that's going to be a team that's going to be right there with them, a team that pushed them to seven in the Eastern Conference Finals. So like their path is there, but their path back to the NBA Finals, the Boston Celtics, is much murkier than it would be for a Golden State Warriors who at this point right now on June 17th, right, a full year before we get back to the NBA Finals, really the one big hurdle that it looks like they're going to have to get over. And I would argue that it's the other way around, that the Clippers would have to get over the Golden State Warriors, but it seems to be just one team at this point right now. Right, we can talk about the Denver Nuggets and how potentially how much better they'll be with Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, but the Golden State Warriors are a higher power rated team at this point right now than the Denver Nuggets would be. We can talk about the Phoenix Suns again and mention them, but yeah, like for the Celtics, this is clearly a tighter, murkier, darker path back to the NBA Finals than it would be for a Golden State Warriors team. So if it's not the Celtics and if it's not the Warriors, then who would it be? I think the obvious choice, as I've mentioned them a couple of times, is the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, Jeff Sherman and I have been texting back and forth. Jeff Sherman, uh, VP Risk Management over there at the Westgate Superbook, does all of their NBA odds and work. Um, you know, we both like this team a lot. And I, on paper, it looks like it's a top two, top three team in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard has begun his offseason activities. Paul George fully healthy next year. Those two back together. I mean, look. I wrote a big old column on it right before Kawhi Leonard got hurt, and it was during the NBA. It was right at, right before the postseason started, you know, last year. But the Clippers were the best team in the Western Conference that year. They were. You, you won't be able to argue it against me. Uh, you're, excuse me. You won't be able to talk me off of my stance, whatever it was. They were my highest power rated team. They looked like they were on their way to win an NBA title uh, and potentially win an NBA title. Should say that. Um, either way, really talented team, and that depth is better. Reggie Jackson, of course, still around. Terrence Mann continues to get better. But the additions that you made in Norm Powell, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard are still both solid role players. You have question marks from a financial standpoint in Vitra Zubac. And Nick Batum uh, could potentially be free agents in some form or fashion. But again, a team just much, uh, much like the Golden State Warriors, not afraid to spend. So more than likely, they'll come back. Isaiah Hartenstein uh, was actually quietly one of the best defensive centers in the NBA this past season. So they have quality depth at the five. And that would probably be one of the very obvious choices to win an NBA title outside of the two that made it to the NBA Finals this year. And then you have the other options as we talked about. You know, what the Philadelphia 76ers are going to do with what I think is pretty obvious a really good core. Like, yes, James Harden is not the same James Harden that he used to be. But if Tyrese Maxey's growth that he showed this year is real, which I think it is, right, 
And if you're looking at Harden as the third best option, but he's still a dynamic facilitator, a guy who can shoot the ball, as well as Tobias Harris stepping up, if you improve the depth behind Joel Embiid, as I previously mentioned, and other things with that bench, you're talking about a team in the Philadelphia 76ers who could very much improve to the point where they're going to be an Eastern Conference uh, contender. And even then, too, as we talk about this stupid theory with luck and all that stuff, who knows how that series plays out against Miami if Joel Embiid is available in the first two games of that series as opposed to not because of the injury he suffered at the end of the Toronto Raptors series win. So there's that dynamic at play here, and I think you would look at the Philadelphia 76ers as a choice. And as a choice as well, I should mention, in the double digits. We're talking about a team that at the Westgate Superbook right now is 14-1 to to win an NBA title. If you're asking me which of the teams that are sitting around in the double digits is going to be an intriguing option, it would be them. Um, and then you get to the obvious. As we talked about the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, both single digits, 8-1 to over at the Westgate Superbook. Suns are at 12-1. to uh, But that brings in the other dynamic of what this offseason is going to be like, which is there's so many interesting storylines around players that could potentially be moved and if that is the case, that obviously changes the power rating, the narrative around certain teams. For example, what are the Utah Jazz going to do with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell? Do they run this back for one more season? Or are they on the verge of blowing this up with a new coaching staff and will be looking to potentially just acquire assets and build this thing right back up again? Because this is a somewhat old team now at this point. And you have two blue chip, I would call them prospects, but you, you have two guys who would fetch a really good haul in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert to any team that wants them. And a team like the Dallas Mavericks, who have been sniffing around a center like DeAndre Ayton potentially, or Rudy Gobert. I mean, if those two, or if any one of those two, goes to the Dallas Mavericks, then all of a sudden you're talking about the Mavericks who are 16-1 to being legitimate title contenders and thrusting themselves up into the range of 10-9-1 to to win an NBA title. And the same could be said of Rudy Gobert going to a team like the Toronto Raptors or so. And the Raptors, they love their switchability. They love their ability to get up and down the floor. Rudy Gobert would hurt them a little bit in that regard, but they desperately need a big guy like that that would really help them out. But you wonder how much that changes things. A Toronto Raptors team who right now is 60-1 to to win an NBA title and not a real threat to do so, but a shift, a change like that, I mean, that's going to be something that is going to change a lot. And then you look at a team like the Los Angeles Lakers, who still has, obviously, LeBron James, one of the best players in the NBA still, if not the best, and what their roster looks like as they move forward into the uh, next year. And then there's others. There's the Memphis Grizzlies, whose season was damaged by injuries, specifically to John Morant in that series against the Golden State Warriors. There's the New Orleans Pelicans, who are, you would think, getting Zion Williamson back, who made a run to the NBA postseason, pushed the Phoenix Suns in the first round, and have a pretty intriguing core of both youth and veteranship to maybe make them a top five, six seed in the Western Conference if they're going to push for that. And again, don't think they're necessarily title contenders, the New Orleans Pelicans, but just a challenging team that's going to be a pain to deal with as you move forward in the next year. But got to say, as we, again, we sit here June 17th, 2022, a full year away from what's going to happen next year. I find myself very, very excited because next year has the potential to be absolutely fantastic. But the potential is there to kind of put a bow on this for the Golden State Warriors to repeat. It is there. The Warriors are a really good team. They are dynamic. They have a good balance of youth and veteran leadership. And they have arguably one of the – no, 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 I'm not going to say arguably. They have one of the best players to ever play the game in the NBA in Steph Curry, and that always gives you a shot. So with that, 
want to say thank you very much. Uh, this is It's not like this is done or anything like that. I'm going to be off for two weeks um, and then come back. Summer League coverage is going to be absolutely fantastic. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I will on the podcast because I don't think my bosses listen. Um, but we will be live out at Summer League, and I'll be doing live Summer League stuff too for the local gig that I do on the side as well. So it'll be tons of Summer League coverage uh, when I come back from uh, two weeks off. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and this will keep rolling throughout the offseason. We'll start to ramp up some offseason previews in terms of specific teams. So that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I think what I'll do is I'll dedicate like episode by team. We'll try to get specialists for each team as the offseason progresses. And I just want to say, too, uh, one, thank you very much for anybody who followed me out throughout this entire year. Not just like making bets and all that kind of stuff, but just read the work, listen to the podcast. Uh, I do want to say that I have learned a lot from really covering the uh, this league Um on a more granular level, I think we did this year. Uh, and I think there are a ton, a ton of ways that I can improve the coverage for the NBA as we move forward into next season. And I have a list of things that I want to accomplish, things that I need to be better at, that I really, really want to make, you know, sports betting coverage around the NBA here at VEASAN, something that's very much worth taking in. And again, not just because of winners, but because it's just valuable information and fun information to keep track of as the year goes along. So again, I, I really want to say thank you. I really enjoyed this NBA season. And I could not do it without the people who engage with the work like you who are listening to this right now. So hopefully you really enjoyed the season and everything it had to offer. And I cannot wait to start it up again in a couple of weeks when Summer League gets started out here in Las Vegas.